on, everybody. My name's Heath, and this is Tillman's Corner Sports Talk with Heath and Steven. How you, go, how you doing, Steven? What's up, buddy? Hey, we uh, this is our first show. So This hopefully, is our first show, man. Hopefully it doesn't bomb. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's going to bomb, but I know I got a couple family. I got five brothers and sisters, so I'm sure we'll, we'll get at least five listens. Five of our wives and a few brothers. I don't know. Some of my siblings might not listen. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. So, my name's, like you said, Steven Tillman. 28 years old. Uh, actually, we got to give a shout out to our buddy David Murphy because he was the inspiration behind us doing our, our podcast. That's right. His um, podcast, a little plug, Sports Talk with David Murphy and Mobile. Go, right. go so give it a listen. He's go, a good guy. He go goes, listen to him. We've been on his podcast, and he and Heath were texting him. He was like, you know what? We should start a family, a little family podcast going, and uh, we might have to have some more family members join maybe down the road but um yeah shout out to david you got us on to podcasting we'll be the next uh whoever the big podcaster is probably not ever pat mcafee pat Pat McAfee. McAfee. yeah Yeah. that's probably not ever but hey here's the hope and everybody's got to start somewhere that's right that's steven my name's Heath tillman i am married i'm about to be 25 in two days i got a little boy named nathan and my wife's name's courtney she thinks I'm a little crazy for doing this. But. You're showing me up. I didn't even mention my wife. Then. <laughs> well, hey, shout out to my wife, Kristen. Love you, babe. Our two daughters, Erilyn and Janessa. So, But our name of the podcast is going to be Tillman's Corner Sports Talk. And for you that are not from Mobile, Tillman's Corner is, like I said, a place in Mobile. We both grew up there. We're Tillman's from Tillman's Corner. I sometimes call myself jokingly the mayor of Tillman's Corner because I am a Tillman. It was named after our family. I don't really know the whole story of how, but it was named after our family. Yeah, so that's why Stephen came up with a little creative name, Tillman's Corner Sports Talk. But pretty much about us, we love Alabama, anything Alabama football, basketball, softball, baseball, anything. Baseball. Gymnastics. Gymnastics. We I'm, probably won't talk much gymnastics on it. Yeah, not much gymnastics, but... We love professional sports, too. All kind of of sports, really. Absolutely, anything. We like, I mean, we're competitive. We love anything. Throw some cornhole. We'll talk talk some Auburn, uh, especially if they lose. We'll definitely talk some Auburn on this podcast. Absolutely, and speaking of losing, they did get upset by Florida this past week. That was pretty nice. (laughs) We're not going to mention the Alabama loss, but let's jump right into it. So this week, it's uh, February 20th, if I'm not mistaken. 21st. 21st, 21st, I should say that. February 21st, and this past weekend was the NBA All-Star Weekend. Did you get to watch any of it? I didn't. I I saw highlights. I didn't watch any of the actual game. Uh, I saw highlights. I saw Steph Curry went off. I I saw a little bit of the dunk contest, a little bit of the three-point contest. I I was surprised. Didn't Cat? Cat won the three-point contest? Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns won it. I was actually at my parents' house uh, around the fire pit, and I flipped it on, and he put up, I think, 29 points. In the, well, they've changed it a lot since we were kids. They added a – they call it a Mountain Dew shot, and it's, uh, like, worth three points. And then yeah, they got the money ball rack worth two points of ball. I haven't seen that one. So, seen that. But speaking of the All-Star weekend, Saturday night after the three-point contest, was a dunk contest. Did you get to watch it? Like I said, I just saw highlights. I didn't watch the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. It was embarrassing. It was nothing like when we were kids. You got cats out there that are warming the bench, and they think they want to dunk, and it was pretty bad. Now, was it, it couldn't have been as bad as the Pro Bowl. Well, absolutely. It was not as bad as the Pro Bowl. But speaking of the Pro Bowl, that was a joke. 
But the game, you know, they've changed the game where instead of keeping – they keep score for the whole game, but they do a competition kind of each quarter. And they keep score uh, okay. for the quarter. And whatever, like Team LeBron, it was Team LeBron versus Team Durant. They got to pick – they were the captains. They got to pick their squad. And whoever won that quarter, they got to donate 25000 Maybe it was 50000 to the donation of their choosing. So, that's good. Everybody wins there. Okay. See, I didn't know they, I didn't know they made those changes. Yeah, they made the changes, and then they play at the end of the game. They don't do a time in the fourth quarter. They play to a score. So I think if it's like they have 150 after three, they add 25 points, and then they play to 175. Steph Curry had 16 threes. Yeah, he. Uh, it's not really surprising though. I mean, that's just that's what he. Do. I mean, he does a lot of other stuff, but that's like, you know. I don't know if you could I, you could ever surprise me by how many threes Curry shoots, like attempts or even hits in a game because he just he's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, he ran up. He did one last night. He crossed half court. LeBron swung him the ball. He took about three steps past half court and let it go and turned around and started running back on defense before the ball even went in. He started pulling out the I crowd. I didn't see that because yeah. he knew he was going to go in because he's that great. He's my wife's favorite player. I don't really like him, but hey. He's a great guy and a great shooter. He is. He is. So, like I, like we said, we're going to talk a lot of Bama stuff, and it brings us to a, really our first topic. It's Bama basketball. Take it away, Steven. Oh, there's. I don't know where to start with Alabama basketball. It's uh, if you're an Alabama basketball fan, it's frustrating, and really, I'd say just a basketball fan in general, it's probably even just as frustrating. But I don't know. On any given night, they could literally beat anybody in the nation. It doesn't matter who it is on any given night, but on any given night, they also can lose to anybody in the country. It's uh, they just they don't have they're so incons- they're probably the most inconsistent Alabama, which I Alabama hasn't been good at basketball really for a while. No, they haven't. So <laughs> you know maybe people haven't been watching as much, but as far as as long as I've been watching, it's hard to remember a team as inconsistent as this team. You know, it's just some games you're like, oh, they're going to go all the way to the Final Four and possibly even win a championship. And then the next game you watch, and it's like they might not even make the tournament. So it's just it's it's frustrating, of course. Yeah, speaking of frustrating, they played Kentucky this past weekend. They caught the L 90-81. to and they started off the game on fire. They were making their threes, and they were playing solid defense. And then about, I think about six or seven minutes left in the first half, they just went on a cold streak, and they were up 12. And then by halftime, they're down by one. That just speaks of the inconsistent inconsistency that they play with on a night-in, night-out basis. They can't even put a two halves together. They didn't even, I mean, and that's the problem. Going back to the inconsistency, some games they play great defense and not great offense. Some games they play like this game. So they shot 43.5% in their field goal percentage. Well, I mean, that's not bad. You know, they shot 35% from three as a team. But the problem is Kentucky shot, what was it, like 53% on their field goal percentage, 64, almost 65% in their three-point percentage. So it's like, yeah, they had a great offensive night, but their defense, uh, was definitely lacking. It's been like that all year long. They just, they just, they either play great on offense and not good on defense. They, they're very rarely do they put both of them together for a, a full game. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's mind blowing. Nate Oates, the coach of Alabama, he was a math teacher six years ago. I don't know if you knew that. They say it pretty much every yeah, game because like to mention every game. He's though. an analytics guy. Alabama shot 40, 43 pointers and made fourteen for like you said thirty five percent. And Kentucky only shot fourteen, but they made nine of them. Yeah. So they made Kentucky made five fewer three pointers. But they also attempted, I don't know if I can do quick math, 26 less three-pointers in Alabama. And just speaking about the inconsistency, Alabama, I was looking at today over their major wins. Did you know? I know you do. But Alabama beat the number one team in the country right now, Gonzaga. They also beat a top-10 team right now in Baylor. Houston is ranked, I think, 14th right now. Tennessee and Arkansas are both in the top 20. So right there, that's one, two, three, four, five. That's five teams right now in the top 20 that they've lost. But you're like, oh, wow, that's a Final Four team, right? That team can make it to the Final Four. You look on the flip side, they've lost to teams like Iona. Who's ever heard of Iona? I know Rick Pitino's their coach. That's but the only reason you've heard of them. That's embarrassing. Iona. I, I couldn't even point where they're at on the map. I'm guessing Iowa. And then you got Memphis. They're not very good. Davidson. The only reason anybody's heard of Davidson it's because of Steph Curry. That's where he went. And then they lost to Missouri and Georgia when Georgia at the time hadn't even won a game in the SEC. They're, I just can't wrap my mind. How can you beat some of these good teams but then lose to some of these bottom feeders? Well, that's what it, if, you, if you hadn't looked at their schedule and seen who they played and who they lost to, who they beat, because they have the number one uh, strength of schedule in the country. So yeah, they have the hardest schedule in the country. And so, if you were they 17 and 10, I think? Yeah, they're 17 and 10. So, 17 and 10, if I told you Alabama's 17 and 10, and they have the hardest schedule in the country, you'd probably say, oh, that's pretty good. At this point in the season, they're 17 and 10, hardest strength of schedule in the country. That's pretty good. But then you look at, like you mentioned, who they lost to, and it's like, if they would just beat the teams that they supposed, they're supposed to beat, then they'd have, I mean, They'd have an amazing record. And even the, some of the teams like Kentucky, the Kentucky is the fourth-ranked team in the country, but they also were missing their two starting guards. Their two starting <laughs> guards. Absolutely. So, missing two starters, and Alabama just can't. Man, it's just it's, – I've gotten to the point, like, I I tell myself I'm not going to watch any more of their games, but then I'll, I'll start watching it thinking, you know, they're going to do something, and then it'll be one of those games that I choose to watch that they decide to suck. It just, I probably end up turning it off early, to be honest. Absolutely. And mentioning the missing the two starting guards, that caused Nate Oates. He came out with comments today saying, basically, he essentially said, if you're not going to play defense, you're not going to play. And that brings me to my biggest problem with Nate Oates in Alabama. I personally think that Javon Quinterly is, I think he's the best player on the team. A lot yeah. of people may not agree, but I think he's the best player on the team. I think he is. He's the most cons- consistent, I would say. And for probably. some reason, Nate Oates is in love with J.D. Davidson. And at the start of the year, people were saying he's going to go in the lottery. I don't know if they're infatuated with his hair or what, but let me tell you, he's not going in the lottery. The guy can't shoot. The only thing he does well is he rebounds and he passes. But there's a reason that he gets a lot of assists. It's because he can't shoot, uh, yeah. so he passes a lot. He just, that's if he goes in the draft, he might leave. 
but it has to be based purely on potential because it's not based on what he's shown this year. Like, there's some plays and some games you watch, and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, he's definitely going to be a top pick. But then he'll go five or six games. It's like, where's J.D. Davidson? And, like, for, for as many points as he has, he probably has double the amount of turnovers. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably exaggerating there. I don't know if it's that much. But he, he just – he. I don't know, man. He he turns the ball over so much. He, you know, he can be a good passer. Obviously, he's extremely athletic. He can jump through the roof. He remind like as far as athletic wise, he kind of reminds me of Colin Sexton. Yeah. Like can just leap, can run, but he just you know he doesn't really take care of the ball that well. And yeah, I agree. I think Javon Quinterly overall, he's the best. I would say he's the only player on the team that can consistently create his own shot mm-hmm. with ball handling. Um, and then, of course, because he can create his own shot, it opens up other guys to be able to just spot up uh, and shoot, like Shackelford and you know all these other guys. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on that. Well, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. <clears throat> and I'm all about a coach, you know, doing whatever it takes. But his guys have completely lost their confidence. Earlier in the year, they had to bring in a mental specialist to talk to the players to give them confidence to shoot. But it makes no sense. I'm looking at the starters right now. Uh, your power forward plays 11 minutes, but he wasn't even in foul trouble. Your center, he only plays 15 minutes. Javon Quinterly, who is easily, to me, he can get to the basket. And like Steven said, he finishes with either hand. He can get his guys involved. He plays 21 minutes. <clears throat> and it makes no sense because I think when Nato says the comments about if you're not playing defense, you're not playing for him. Well, to me, you know, it, it's uh, basketball is not like football, you know. You can't just say, okay, we're going to sub a guy in for offense, sub him in out for defense. You know, you got to play both sides of the ball. But to me, what Quinterly don't give you on defense, he gives you that much more on offense. Like, way more than J.D. Davis. And, yeah, J.D. Davis, he may can guard somebody, but you don't even have to guard him on the offensive end. And that's why, to me, you're getting ran out of the gym against these sorry teams. Yeah, I don't – and I'm looking at Keon Ellis' minutes, it's obvious why he played so much. He was on fire. Um, but, yeah, Juwan Gary, I don't – like I said, I didn't watch the game. I watched highlights. I listened to it on the radio a little bit on the way. We had uh, some soccer games to go to. Uh, kept up with it there. But Juwan Gary, everything I've, every game I've watched, it seems like he's like, he's not going to get a ton of points, but he's a high energy. He's a good defender. He's a, he hustles. Um, now maybe in that game he wasn't, but I don't. I would think that based on who he is, has been over the course of a season, high energy guy, good defender. Um, you know, brings brings some aggressiveness. I would, I don't know. Maybe that's why we're sitting here <laughs> talking on a podcast. And Nate Oates is making millions. He obviously knows more than we do. But you would think that Jawan Gary would need to get more than 11 minutes in a game, if especially on a game that you're needing defense. Yeah, well, like I said, he was a math teacher uh, six years ago. My sister-in-law, she was a math teacher in high school, so maybe she should go coach the Alabama Crimson Tide <laughs> girls. And maybe that would be good. She's good at analytics, so maybe she'd go do that. Shout out to Stephanie. So, enough about Alabama basketball. <laughs> Let's move on to some Bama football. Well, you're talking about the, uh, you know, Nate Oates calling out his players for lack of aggressiveness, lack of defense. Uh, Saban kind of did the same thing with his players. Uh, now, not, not after the game, but I think, was it this past week? Yeah, it was this past week. This past week, um, I don't know if he was talking at like a... It was a coach's conference. A coach's conference, yeah. and he was talking about the national championship and what factors led into that. And he called out – he didn't point anybody out by name, but 
if you're an Alabama fan or just kind of following the program in general, you, you know kind of who he was talking about. Um, and he called out, you know, some younger guys, specifically receivers, that maybe had been complaining and whining the whole year about not getting playing time, and then whenever they get a chance for playing time, they aren't ready. There's a reason they wouldn't get playing yeah, time. There's a reason. And, and, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's it's very frustrating. Uh, like Stephen was saying, Saban made some comments about three <coughs> receivers. They were complaining all year about playing, so they wasn't practicing hard because they said, well, I'm not going to practice hard if I'm not playing. But if you know anything about Saban, it's all about the process. So he wouldn't put him in. So the national championship rolls around. Uh, John Mechie gets hurt. He gets hurt in the SC championship, tears his ACL. And then uh, Williams, he gets hurt in the national championship, JMO. And so you're putting these guys in that ain't played all year, and guess what? They embarrass themselves. I w- I, that's kind of hard. They didn't embarrass themselves. They just they didn't. They looked like the moment was too big for them. You can't you can't complain all year long, and and you know, and and tweet out stuff, Ajay Hall, about Treshawn Holden. Yeah, you can't. I can't. I, I, we're guessing the other one is Javon Baker. He's at Kentucky, so I don't really care about him. Yeah, who cares? But uh, you can't you know sit there and tweet out stuff and um, you know making it sound like oh I'm going to leave because I'm not getting playing time. And then when you do get playing time, you show. Why you haven't been getting playing time? Like, okay, the biggest game of the year again. It's a national championship against the best team in the country against a great defense. I understand that, but when you have a quarterback that's putting the ball on the money, like literally, he couldn't have handed it off to you any better, and it goes right through your hands. Not because of the defenders grabbing your arm and knocking it away. It literally just goes right through your hands. Um, yeah, you can't. Don't whine all year long, and then when you get a chance, the ball goes right to your hands. Well, you're talking about the whole play. I was watching. It makes no sense today. I was actually watching the replay, and why is he jumped? The ball came to him. He jumped in the air when the ball was at his waist. Yeah, so he and jumped. It looked like he got alligator arms. Instead of catching yeah. it the right side, he tries that like high-five hand clap. It makes no sense. Yeah, he jumped. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. He jumped, and then it's like, Jumped up in the air, then reaches down to almost his waist, at least mid stomach. I don't know. It's, it's, but they still, I mean, they still could have won, you know, for all the drops. And even when, when JMO went out, I was like, okay, this, I'm not saying we're going to lose, but it's going to be extremely hard. Extremely tough. Uh, to win. Uh, but they still could have won. You know, Latou, he had a touchdown. You know, he had one. On the goal line, go Him right. And Billingsley, go, God, don't get me started. Go right through his hands. So the two drop one, Hall drops one. Uh, Brooks, Brooks, where he tried to one hand, yeah, he should have gone instead of Absolutely. just putting both of his arms up. Um, now I'm sure there were others, but you know, uh, even everybody getting hurt. I mean, they still had a chance to win. They just, you know, Georgia made the most of their opportunities. Alabama didn't, so that's what you know. That's what you got to do to win, especially in games like that. Right, we're not making excuses for Alabama. We're just talking about Saban's comments. But we are talking about the national championship. And I got a couple things I jotted down, a couple reasons they lost. Of course, one being bad health. We were out our two starting quarterback cornerbacks, uh, Josh Job, Jalen Armour Davis. And Saban said something about their best backup. I don't really know who he was talking about. And then, like I said, I the know. two starting receivers got hurt. And that, so I got drops. That's the reason they lost because of drops. Bad D-line and O-line play. Not a lot of people talk about the D-line of Alabama. 
when I say D line, obviously I'm not talking about Will Anderson or Dallas yeah. Turner. He's they're they're exempt. From they the bad are D-line. exempt. They are men amongst boys. Tell you what, I wish I could adopt Will Anderson. He's a monster. Make you a lot of money. He'd make me a lot of money. He'll probably be either first or second pick next year in the NFL draft. Anyway, probably Bryce Young than than yeah, Will. Absolutely. I'm t- when I say D line, I'm talking about the interior guys. So you got these the the nose guard and defensive tackle. They're supposed to keep the offensive linemen off who? The linebackers, linebackers. right? And then you got Henry Toto and Christian Harris. They don't know where to go because the offensive line is bulldozing the D-line back there to them. So, Georgia's running all over them. And then the O-line. They were a problem all year. They had the best game of the season. Against Georgia. Against Georgia in the SEC Championship. But then, turn around and ask the championship. And I'm not saying they lost because of the O-line, because they didn't. But with Bryce Young being as small as he is, you got to give him a clean pocket. I think, in which a lot of it had to do, not that I want to take credit away from the offensive line and the SEC championship, but I think a lot of it wasn't that the offensive line played amazing. I mean, they did, but I don't. Georgia didn't do what a lot of the other teams that gave Alabama trouble did. They didn't, you know. I think Texas A&M. LSU, Auburn, what do those teams do? They pretty much, not every play, but they cover zero, cover zero and blitz, cover zero and blitz. And Georgia, no, they might have blitzed a little bit, but they didn't blitz like these other teams that gave Alabama problems. They must rush. They must rush. Yeah, they did. They just hey, let's rush real soft, try to keep Bryce Young in front, and he just sat there and picked them apart. And then in the national championship game, I think I don't know. I was telling some people, whoever I was talking to, I said. Obviously, I'm just nobody. I'm not making millions. But if Kirby had half a brain, he's not going to have the same game plan as far as on defense. He's going to come after Bryce Young. He's going to try to hit him. He's going to try to – because, you know, as good as Bryce Young is, you know, if you have somebody in your – especially if you're – He's small. He's small. He's very small. He's probably, I mean, what, five – in, maybe they got him listed. I think six foot. Got, but, I, don't, I don't believe he. Yeah, maybe I'm six, six foot. I think the guy's about five ten. He might be five, six nine. foot on a stack of books. Yeah. Um, With his helmet on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're including his helmet in his cleats, probably. But uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. That's probably the reason Doug Grone didn't. I mean, did they ever say did they fire Doug Grone? They just didn't bring him back. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they fired him. I think it was just like a kind of a mutual decision. He wanted to get back to the NFL. And, um, you know, it doesn't really hurt my feelings. But yeah, I mean, that he's leaving. They didn't, so. The offensive line didn't seem to get any better, and and a lot of I don't know. Maybe it has to do communication. Uh, I know Alabama couldn't run the ball this they, year. They couldn't. Yeah, uh, not as well as they had in the past. Especially in the big, I mean, you know, against Cincinnati, obviously they ran it down their throat against Ole Miss, but like against the, in the games that matter, they couldn't consistently run the ball. Um, and, uh, and I was, I think I was talking to some guys at work, and I was saying, I wonder if the, the confusion on offensive line, because they just look lost a lot of times, especially on blitzes. Guys would be running free, there'd be five offensive linemen blocking three guys, and then right, right, one right. guy hitting the quarterback. And he didn't do it as much later in the year, but earlier. Actually, he did do it a good bit later in the year, but it seems like the play clock would get to five seconds. Bryce would run up to the line of scrimmage. I don't know if he would change the play or change protection or what. And then so within five seconds, the clock's at one when he's running back and snapping it. 
So I don't know if maybe that had to do with he's calling out orders and changing plays and all this stuff within only a few seconds to snap the ball. So maybe they it confused them that way. I don't know, but yeah. something had to be figured out, and they didn't figure it out really the whole season. Bryce Young just made plays. Yeah, I want to elaborate on that point you're talking about about Bryce Young going up to the line of scrimmage and changing plays. I noticed towards the end of the year they started going a little faster, and you know Bryce Young. Every, Anybody that talks to the guy or coaches that's coached him in the past, they all say that he's really smart, which he is incredibly smart. He knows defense and everything. But I kind of think that some defenses were confusing him. They were showing him something before the snap, and then they'd roll to something else. So he would try to change the play, and when he did change the play, it actually backfired because they wanted him to change the play. And he was confusing his offensive lineman. He had some guys up there that, you know, didn't play last year that are playing this year. And they struggled. They struggled to pick up the blitz, like you said. They played cover zero. And with Bryce being so small, I know you just you said he's like five nine. You know they blitz him up the middle because if you blitz him up the middle, he can't see over the guys. I mean, yeah. I don't, it's, just, it's just simple knowledge. If a short guy is trying to throw the ball and you got a big guy six four with his arms up, you know it's gonna be hard to see guys open and make any completions. But you know, and we don't really have this. But what do you think about uh, uh, Billy O. Bill O'Brien? I had a lot of problems with him all year. Some people like him. I don't really care for the guy. If you're looking at purely numbers, you would say, okay, they did. You know, if you're looking at points per game, you know that type of stuff, yards. You're like, man, what's your problem with Bill O'Brien? And it's just, it seemed like he was just so Texas A&M game, for instance. They get down. In the red zone, inside the five-yard line, and obviously the Texas A&M game was forever ago, so I don't remember everything, but they get down inside the five-yard line several times, and I think they threw just about every single time. You got B-Rob, Brian they did Robinson. against Georgia, too, in the next they, championship. Yeah, they against Georgia. So you have Brian Robertson. B-Rob is 6'2", 235. That's a big running back. Obviously, he's not as big as Derrick Henry, but nobody is. That's a big old running back. So you get inside the five yard line. Why would you not give it to him? I mean, it's not like it's gonna get any worse. You already had to get down there and incomplete, 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 or Bryce Young gets sacked and they end up kicking a field goal. So he just and then so that game, LSU, that was in I mean, you know, if Nick Saban heard us, he'd be mad because we're complaining about a, them winning the game against it was LSU. Embarrassing. But it's it was like embarrassing. LSU was literally depleted. They were playing with fourth and fifth and probably sixth string, probably walk on at defensive back. Mm-hmm. And Bill O'Brien couldn't come up with it. Now, I understand the coach calls the plays, the players have to execute, but it's in your it's your job to put them in a good position. Whether, you know, I think LSU definitely for pretty much the whole game, their mindset was our defensive backs, because they're so young and we're all of our guys are hurt, we can't guard these guys for long, so hey. We're going to just one safety or no safety, and we're going to blitz. blitz and if you get the ball out, then we're just going to make the tackle. And so they literally did that the whole entire game. And they, I think it was, what, 26 to 20 or something like that? No, I think it was like 17-14. It was a close game. They had a chance to throw a Hail Mary and win yeah, the game. I know a, that. It was a yeah. one-score so game. It was a one-score against, game. Against the LSU team at home. They had nothing but backups. <laughs> had nothing but, especially on defense, nothing but backups. And 
so it's just games like that. It's like you scratch your head and it's like Bill O'Brien, what are you doing? Yeah, the season's been over for a month and a half, and we're still pretty passionate, and fired up about it. Bill O'Brien, it's like I, I told a bunch of people that I watched the game with, and a couple of people that I was texting and talking about the game. I don't think Bill O'Brien. I keep, so Alabama would score one drive, and the next shot they go three and out, and I would tell everybody, well, he can't use all his good plays back-to-back series because I don't think he had that many good plays. Yeah. Because it's like some drives, they're scoring. They, boom, moving the ball down the field, 11 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Next two drives, they're three and out. They do nothing but passing. Or they come out and they'll do something like they'll throw the ball the first two times and get 30 yards, and in the next three plays you're running the ball and you're having to punt. It's just a lot of stuff he did. And honestly, I feel bad for him because I think he followed – two of some of the best college football offensive minds in Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian. So, obviously, it's very hard for I, I him think, to follow think, those two guys. I think Sark was the best offensive coordinator. He was brilliant. I, I mean, <laughs> now, obviously, when you have Matt Jones and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith and those guys. Waddle. It makes it easier, but his you st- but the plays, you still have to drop plays at work. You know, it wasn't like Matt Jones was just throwing up Hail Marys every play and Devontae Smith was – Mossing on five guys, and it made Stark look good. I mean, he drew up some really good plays to get guys open. In the national championship, oh, it was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he was – I mean, I don't know. He just really – I don't know. Bill O'Brien just doesn't seem to be very creative. Creative. It doesn't seem like his in-game adjustments are, are – and, again, a lot of it, no. Players have to execute. Offensive line has to execute. I get that. Um, But, yeah, just very inconsistent play call, especially getting inside the red zone. Yeah, I think a lot of his offense was pretty much, hey, Bryce Young, you're the Heisman. Go, Go out and yeah. make a play. Yeah. And, you know, Go run around. isn't really fair to Bryce Young. It looks like for now that he'll be back as offensive coordinator next year, but I kind of think he's going to go to the Patriots because they have an offensive opening since Josh McDaniels left and went to the Raiders to be the head coach. I don't know what's taking him so long, though. I don't know. It's weird. And I heard some that, that the Patriots may do some kind of like – have multiple offensive coordinators, multiple people run the offense, which I hope not for Mac Jones' sake. I, w- I would like them to get somebody that actually knows what they're doing yeah. and to help Mac Jones out of Alabama quarterback. But there's, my, there's my, no predict- my prediction was that Bill O'Brien would leave, not necessarily to the Patriots, just somewhere, and that uh, being that Nick Saban likes to get former head coaches that were fired he would go out and get Dan Mullen <laughs> and be a, to come be offensive coordinator, which I think would be great. I think, you know, maybe as a head coach and an overseer of everything, Dan Mullen obviously wasn't that great. But I think if, if he could, if he was a guy, which he showed in the past, if he purely focused on offense and nothing else, he's great. He's great. A lot of people say Dan Mullen, he's a jerk. Some people say he's rude. They might be. But I hey. personally don't care. If you can dial it up, call some plays, score some touchdowns, he won't do a lot of talking because Nick Saban will be the head coach. He'll be the offensive coordinator. I don't know. I didn't even hear from Bill O'Brien. I didn't even hear Bill O'Brien press conference this past year. So I don't care. And if he can get us a championship with Bryce Young next year, I'm all about bringing him over. What about you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and especially if you're a team that likes to run, the, if you're a fan that's like, man, I miss the Alabama days of just maybe not, you know, under center pounding it for 13. You know, you just run 13 times in a row. But I ain't going to lie, some games I, I like that because the old days of the other team knew you was going to run it. They couldn't stop you. They still couldn't yeah. stop you. So, especially late in games when you're trying to run a game out, that's when you need it. But I wouldn't, you know, 
mind having Dan Mullen come because all his teams have always been able to. I mean, look at this past year. You know, Emory Jones not good. Uh, their offense, especially passing, wasn't good, but they could. You know, they could yeah, run they the did, ball. Yeah, they could run the ball, but they didn't have a lot of weapons. They didn't really have a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he could run the ball, but I would like to get somebody in there that is good at a running game coordinator. That hopefully every second down, it's not second and nine after you run the ball. That'd be nice. Yeah, but. Wrapping up, talking about Bama football, they're losing a lot of athletes. Like I said, they're Every losing year. pretty much all their receivers Every that year. had an experience. My boy Slade Bolden is going to the draft. I mean, I whoa, that was a, that was mind blowing. Mechie was obvious. Williams was obvious. Um, but yeah, Slade was. I don't know if he's like uh, he's looking at Cooper Cup. He was like, hey. Uh, a white boy that came out of nowhere, you know. That's so, dis- uh, that's so disrespectful to yeah. Cooper Cobb. <laughs> that is I, so disrespectful. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it, not, I think, I don't know. I don't know if he'll get drafted. I mean, if he tests good at the combine, because he did get invited to the combine. Still, I mean, that's just solely because he's an Alabama player. Um, but, you know, if he tests good at the combine. What do you up, think he's going to run in the 40? 4 8? I'd say a high 4 5, low 4 6. I'd say 4 8. <laughs> That's not he. You know, when when Jamison Williams got hurt and Mechie was out, obviously national championship game. Slade Bolt, he's not a number one number one receiver. He's a he's a third receiver at best. Third down, yeah. Um, he's a slot guy. He's a you know he's a he, he's a reliable third option. That hey, go run a slant or go run a curl route at the sticks. I'm gonna put it in your gut and just fall down. You know, that's what he's. Uh, now who knows? He might he might get to the NFL and pull a, a Wes Welker or Julian Edelman or something. I don't know, but yeah, it surprised me that he's leaving. Uh, that's for sure. But it seems like every year Alabama has somebody that it kind of surprises you that they're deciding to go to the draft. But hey, well, good luck to him. Yeah, hope he makes all the money he can. But they're lo- Bama's losing a lot of players. Uh, I'm excited to see the upcoming A Day game in spring training. Who really steps up and takes the leadership role? On the skills position, I know they got that good transfer coming in in Gibbs, and they got the kid from Georgia, Burton. Uh, I think his name's Burton. Jermaine Burton. Yeah, Jermaine Burton. Um, uh, and, and then, then Eli Ricks. Eli from Riggs from LSU. He'll be a really stud cornerback. And then a lot of guys come back from the defense. So, me and Steven are really excited about I, next year's team. We are. Um, and for all the receivers that were whining and tweeting last step year. Step up. Hey, you just lost three guys in front of you. You had every opportunity I mean, yeah, you got Burton coming in, but you still have every opportunity you can uh, to to be a starter, to make big plays. Um, I'm surprised more running backs hadn't transferred. To be honest, with with uh, the George is Gibbs Gibbs yeah, Gibbs yeah. coming in. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna have who Gibbs McClellan McClellan's coming back. McClellan, uh, Williams Williams coming Trey back. Sanders Trey Sanders. But now that freshman that's right. We and then there's another five-star running back coming in. But moral of the story is we're excited about the upcoming season with Bama football. We're really pumped. I think they can win the national championship if they get the offensive line figured out so they can protect Bryce. But we're about to wrap up. But, you know, not this past weekend, the weekend after that, it was the biggest game of the year. It was the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Uh, I told my dear friend David, I said when they made the trade – and they got Von Miller, and then they signed Odell. I said, I think the Rams can win it all. Of course, I, I don't really have a favorite team in the NFL. I just like Bama guys. 
But I said they could win it all, and I just said it would take a couple, uh, take a little bit for them to jail. And boy, did they jail. Uh, Stafford and Cooper Cup. I mean, what a it, duo. I mean, that I, is absolute. I was, uh, you mentioned David. Um, I was talking on his podcast. He's another plug, Sports Talk with David and Mobile. But um, I was on his podcast talking about the Super Bowl, and I told him I was so impressed. First off, I was cheering for the Rams, as I think a lot of people. If you weren't, if you weren't a Bengals fan, I think you were probably cheering for the Rams because of Matthew Stafford. For Stafford, yeah, and Cooper um, Cup, yeah. and, and Cooper and, Cup, well, and Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Donald yeah. uh, but ma- mainly for Matthew Stafford, just because of right. you know he had to go through all that, deal with uh, Detroit for all those years, and then everybody was saying, oh, he had Calvin Johnson, he didn't ever do anything, yada yada yada, and uh, go to the Rams and to win it. His first year, but to to go not only to win the Super Bowl, but to literally do it with no running game whatsoever. So no running game, and then you lose OBJ and what was it the second quarter? Yeah, second quarter they lost. Second quarter, they're so winning. You already have uh, Tyler Higby was hurt already. Yeah, Tyler Higby. So he wasn't yeah. there, and Robert Woods towards the and ACL. Robert Woods and OBJ goes out in the second quarter, and you, so you pretty much you have Cooper Cup and a bunch of guys that nobody knows their name. Skrwanik, he's yeah. the one that dropped the, the dropped the pass and got the, the intercepted. intercepted. Yeah. So to go win the Super Bowl to make that drive to the freaking go a uh, no look pass on the game winning drive of the Super Bowl. And I told y'all you got you got to have some serious cojones to make that yeah. throw. The <laughs> Super Bowl game winning drive, you're gonna no look the safety off. And throw a dagger out. Throw it right behind him. Right behind him. I to mean, if Cooper you're, Cup. If you're high, if you if you're off by a little bit, that's probably game over. That's game over pick. Yeah. Uh, but no, I was I was happy for him. He did. Uh, I thought. I mean, you know, he didn't put up 500 something yards or anything, but I thought he did. I thought he played great. Like I said, like I've said several times, no running game, so it's pretty much all him. No, I was uh, I was really happy for the Rams. Happy for Aaron Donald. We said I knew that the Rams D line was going to destroy Joe Burrow. Hopefully for Joe Burrow, the Bengals do nothing but draft offensive linemen and sign offensive linemen in free agency. I saw, uh, yeah, they said if they had a picture. It's a meme, a picture of Andrew Luck walking off the field when he oh, retired. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it said this is going to be Joe, Joe Burrow in a few years if they don't get him some offensive linemen because he's going to get tired of getting beat and he don't want to live in a, uh, a bed the rest of his life. Yeah, I know everybody says, oh, Joe Burrow, he's physical, he's tough. He's still a quarterback. You still, you still don't want 300-pound men landing on you seven times in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then the seven. Tennessee Titans destroyed him in the divisional round. They sacked him nine times. It was a miracle they even won that game. But, like I said, give all the Rams credit. And the last thing I was going to say, Sean McVay, 36 years old, youngest coach to ever win a Super Bowl. I know there's reports that he could retire. I don't see it. I really think. Because if you look at it, he's like, what, 30, 35 years younger than 30? 30, well, he's 36, he's but he's 36. 35 years younger than Bill Belichick. Yeah. If, if Sean McVay won a Super Bowl once every 10 years, that would give him, what, five Super Bowl rings? I think, and I really think that he could potentially go down as one of the greatest. Yeah, if he won one coaches every, of all time. every century. So if you're one. 46, 56, 66. Well, cent- cent- century's 100 years, ain't it? All right, not century, decades. 
Every day. We have talked about that. We're not, hey, like I said, had, we're from Alabama. We haven't had our dinner yet. We're from Alabama. Uh, we're hungry. Uh, no, yeah, so every decade. Thank you, Eve. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty. And he started coaching. He's a head coach at what, 30? Yeah, he started coaching earlier than but as the guy, head coach, 30 years old. I mean, he's genius. That's, that's incredible. I saw a video so, where they were asking questions from five years ago, asking him, they said, you played the Atlanta Falcons week 10. It was second uh, second quarter, second down and three from the 30-yard line. The guy said the exact play he called, said what happened, and said who won the game from yeah. five years ago. A lot of people can't even remember what they had for breakfast. Five minutes ago. Five minutes ago. Yeah. Right. It's, it, it's, it's straight incredible. But that's wrapping up the Super Bowl. I, I'm excited for the Rams. I think they could run it back potentially next year. I would it, like it. It'll be interesting to see who they can get back in free agency because I think they did kind of, I wouldn't say forfeited their future. Oh, they but, did, yeah. But they definitely went all in. If you saw the, the shirt their GM was wearing at the parade, it said blank draft picks. Basically, he doesn't really care about draft picks. Yeah, because they don't have a first-round draft They don't draft have a first-round draft for what? Three, four, four years, I think. Three or four yeah. years. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it about the Super Bowl. I think that's going to be it for today. Uh, hey, it was, it was fun. A lot of fun. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, Let's see. If we, maybe we can get our first podcast to 10 viewers or listeners. Maybe. Well, I got five brothers and sisters. You got five, so hopefully that's ten right there. I don't know. My little brother, he's you know he's a real piece of work. He probably won't <laughs> listen to it. But anyways, we enjoyed it. Uh, we hope everybody enjoyed it as well. Uh, tell us what you think. If you know us on social media, just I, yeah. send and us a message if you ever want us to talk. If you ever want to join, if you ever want to talk about something. If it sucks, then just keep it to yourself. We, we know it probably does suck. Yeah, no, just tell me. If, if, it, <laughs> no, if, if you didn't enjoy it, just come up and slap me next time you see me in. No, don't do that. You'll probably get slapped back. But. You might get slapped back. Uh, if you didn't like it, just tell my wife. She she doesn't mind criticizing my work. So just uh, tell her. But now we really appreciate everybody listening. Take the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you all next time. Yeah, see you next time. Stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed it. And that's about it from Tillman's Corner Sports Tillman's Talk. Corner Sports Talk.